Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I am Eddie. I am Carla. And today we're going to talk to you about shame. Welcome back, guys. Uh, happy to have you for all you guys who are listening. It's uh, me and Carlo here, and we're just... Uh, so his wife is out having a ladies' night, so mm-hmm. uh, we were hanging out just talking about some things, and... Uh, we figured it might be a good, some good stuff there to, to record, so here we are, a little impromptu recording session. Um, we are currently sitting at his kitchen table, and we are sharing one microphone, so... <laughs> it's, this uh, goes all right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, pretty intimate up in here, but... Um, and we're enjoying uh, another person who's been on podcasts before frequently, uh, Cody, went home to visit his parents in Pennsylvania, and he left his whiskey here, so we are enjoying Thanks, that. Thanks, Cody. Thanks, Cody, for the whiskey. Um, and Thanks also, our sponsors. Yeah, our sponsors at Lagavulin. And not to mention, we are expanding on like a topic that he brought up, so we're really nice. just mooching from it. Um, but yeah, we were talking a little bit about shame. I remember... A couple episodes ago, you know, who knows how many at this point, uh, when you've been a podcast for over a year, you know, they just all mess together. Um, We were talking about the garden and how when sin entered the world, shame entered the world and how shame replaced what ought to have been love, especially with God, that we hide parts of ourselves. We hide parts of who we are from the people that we care about because we're afraid of ourselves we're afraid of the shame that we feel we feel guilty whatever it might be and essentially what we wanted to talk about today was just like that love proper and authentic love uh should drive that shame out of any relationship that you have yeah opening thoughts uh yeah um speaking of the story of the garden it's also the thing that came to my mind is when adam was he hurt himself in a sense when he ate the apple and god came and asked him where he was and he hid Instinctively, his first reaction was to hide from the only one who could take care of his newfound problem, um, the most important problem we all face. And I actually, it's kind of weird. I just had, I had a dream last night and I got really hurt in my dream. <laughs> like I was, I was involved in like an explosion and I was all scarred. And immediately my first reaction was, don't look at me in my dream, which I was surprised about. So just kind of the instinct of shame to cover up our wounds so that other people won't heal us. Yeah, that's for any of you guys who have seen uh, Jojo Rabbit when he says to his mom, "My face looks like a damn street map woman." <laughs> um, yeah, that's true, and that's super yeah. funny that 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 was your dream last night. That was not intentional. We have not talked about that yet. No, so. I just remembered it right now. Carlo is a prophet. Uh, everyone who's keeping score, and yeah, so I think that is important. Right? We do our natural inclination is to hide when we feel ashamed, and how detrimental that is to any relationship, right? Because, Mm. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who would disagree that a very key component, if not the most key component of love, is that you need to be authentic with people. You need to be genuine with people. Mm. And we hide so much of ourselves uh, in a lot of different ways. And I think that that obviously is a problem. So, yeah, let's let's just talk about how this affects relationships because I think that's probably the most important thing ultimately is how can this affect friendships and romantic relationships and things of that nature so what do you think uh yeah i think i think just a massive component of friendship and building any relationship is being able to come to the point where you show your wounds and you show your weakness to someone because you trust them enough to help you with it and you trust them enough to not 
look at you less because of it. I remember in my dream, I know <laughs> this is really weird. Um, I don't, I, yeah, uh, I was in this Hashtag explosion. God moment, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, there was. So I was with with two friends, and I didn't want either of them to see me. And then I, it wasn't my mom, but it was like in my head, this person was my mom. But this woman, I'm sorry, <laughs> it was weird. Like this woman came up to me, and like I don't know, I became like, I became like a little kid in her arms. And with her, I had I had no problem. Was it hashtag Mary? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I think it was. I mean, it was my mom. It was a motherly figure. But yeah, I don't know. It was just a special relationship. And immediately, I felt really close to her by becoming open to her, by showing my shame to her. I became closer, and I could only show my shame once there was a like a certain level of closeness. Um, it's kind of weird. And I think at some point there has to either be a friendship that's just built naturally enough and then you there's but there's kind of this changing moment where a friendship goes from hanging out, maybe playing some games, um, going out to different places, and then all of a sudden things change and you get vulnerable. And um that to me is when I start to really really, really value friendship and I see it differently. Um Yeah. Yeah, and it's oh, oh, we both went to Franciscan where uh, it seemed like maybe the timing of that was never mastered where it was you went and hung out with somebody once and you were expected to share your whole life story oh with them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Got to keep your hearts guarded, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, sure. But the, that, right, there's, there is several steps in, of importance in relationships. I think the first time you hang out with somebody outside of school or work, that's a big step. Mm-hmm. Um when you were a kid, when you got to go upstairs in their house, if they had, two, if they had, if they had a, <laughs> oh a two-story house, that's so accurate. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, when you get to stay the night at someone's house, mm-hmm. uh, but that you know, being vulnerable is probably up there too as important. <laughs> uh, I, I remember distinctly, right? Or like when you when you've been in your your parents, your friend's parents' room when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. Like if you ever went into like the master bedroom of the house for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that was all, all big steps, but particularly when you're vulnerable with somebody, that is mm-hmm. important. And how, like, I think that's so key because it is the key is in the response to that. Um, mm. And I think once rejection is entered into the world, that when you do share and it's not reciprocated, in the, or at least not even reciprocated the way that you maybe want it to be, or whatever it might be, it it wounds you mm. and um, causes makes it more difficult for you to become vulnerable in the future. But uh, authentic friendship should naturally draw you deeper into that love and deeper into like sharing who you are. They should know more and more about you and even maybe help you to see things about yourself that you maybe can't even in the first place. I think that that's a surefire sign of a good friendship is that one that is doing that, that obviously there's nothing wrong with like mixing, mixing, messing with people. <laughs> Um, uh, making fun of people. I think I try to combine messing and making nice. Uh, making fun of people and messing or with them when they're having yeah. yeah when they're having a difficult time or when they're doing something dumb. But mm-hmm. like, there's a difference between that and like responding to somebody's uh, vulnerability w- with a place of that's not charity. That's not that's not love. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously important. And then I think it especially takes a beautiful role in a romantic relationship with mm-hmm. somebody else um, because and I think this is one of the problems with our world today is we why it's so messy when so many relationships get messy so fast is because they are physically intimate with each other without being emotionally intimate with each other Mm -hmm. i remember i was talking to one of the students at my school we were talking about uh he was struggling with some things with his girlfriend and whatever and we have a club called fight club on campus that where guys can talk about their struggles with pornography or anything of that nature 
And he was just saying, he was like opening his heart about his desires for intimacy with the Lord and his desires for purity. And we're like, well, have you talked to your girlfriend about this? And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't talk to my girlfriend about this. Mm-hmm. And it's just a complete reversal because that's such a problem. Because basically what he's saying is that he is, and that's what I told him. I said, you are more emotionally intimate with the guys in this room than with your girlfriend who like you're struggling with sexual sin with. And like, if you can't, open your heart to this person why are you opening up your whole physicality your entire this part of you and i think that's one of the most beautiful parts obviously of upholding the sacrament of marriage is that that's the only time where you have given yourself entirely to somebody and you should never ever ever be more physically intimate than you are emotionally Hmm. and the only time you can give yourself all physically is when you have given yourself all emotionally and spiritually but um it's so important to to share that part of yourself in a romantic relationship yeah, and I think I think if you're dating someone too, and you are struggling with lust on your own, that, sometimes it feels like information to yourself. But if you're in a relationship, that affects them too, mm-hmm. and um, it's a crucial part. And I think just sins of lust in general carry a, a a deeper sense of shame than maybe other sins, maybe than other weakness or insecurities. And it's really helpful to pull that out. I think it's easier to say it around people of the same sex, but uh, but it's so crucial to talk about in a, ra- a romantic relationship. And being able to communicate about where you're at in terms of purity. Yeah, I mean, I, just as a married man um, and having been with my wife, we started dating over four years ago. You just have to talk about every little detail, just about how things affect you. Um, and, and that itself creates a it tears down a lot of walls and um, it tears down a lot of other shame. I know I can be really, really weird with my wife and I can literally talk to her about anything um, and she'll make fun of me sometimes. She she dug up six year old tweets from me. <laughs> you had a Twitter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't you, if you want to, if you want a good laugh, go ahead and dig it up and <laughs> see what I posted. She could not stop laughing. She she saw it at work. She she just died laughing out loud at work. Texted it to me, and then I think she laughed about it in front of me for over thirty minutes when she came home. <laughs> absolutely destroyed me. But there's like a certain amount. I don't like. I just don't care. And, and yeah. Um, but yeah, and and part of that is just talking about everything, including our own our own thoughts and feelings with physical intimacy, um, especially when we were dating, was was really helpful to know. Mm-hmm. So. Because and I think people may think that well, hey, isn't that contrary to what we're talking about? That she made fun of you for it for so long, but I think not mm-hmm. because uh, once you if you can share these parts of your heart with somebody and like you said, share everything and, and not hold anything back. Um, and that is responded with love consistently, right? That like, then yes, cause it is funny, right? Like yeah. we, we do yeah. embarrassing things when we're Absolutely. a kid and we, and to not be, there's a difference between like laughing at it and being like, that was so dumb. And then like cowering and being ashamed of it. Right. But to like, when you know that your heart is safe with that person, then the shame is cast out. And then, yeah, you can shine a light on it with the other person and be like, that's hilarious. And you'd be like, yeah, that is funny because it was funny and you know, grown a lot and whatever it is, but you feel in that safe space, you feel like you can be vulnerable. You feel, you, cause you know that they're not going to, it's not with a judgmental eye. It's not with, you know, I think what, uh, what's the word? Um, we talked, Cody talked about it very beautifully. And when we specifically talked about that part of the garden story where, um, because the problem is you, 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 shame comes in when somebody looks at you for less than who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so your wife, she is not looking at you just with like, 
those tweets in mind. She's not just valuing you based off those tweets. She's valuing you as, as an entire person and saying, like, look at this part of your life that is funny, right? Right. That's a difference than, like, let's focus in here on this, that, like, you suck because of this, right? Right, right. Um, and there's such, a, there's such a key distinction there, but that's where we, everybody wants to get, right? Is that mm-hmm. where you can enter into, some, enter into a relationship where you can be so vulnerable with somebody that you can look at something from your past or even something from your present and be like, man, that was funny, that was stupid, whatever it is, and let's laugh about it together because I'm not ashamed of who I am because you don't make me feel ashamed of who I am because mm-hmm. you see me as the value of everything that I have. That's very important in in relationships and I think actually it's funny that I that we're talking about it too it's because this is going to be a little bit probably insulting for Carlo but uh, <laughs> I, I warned him that this was coming so you know it's it's fine but, it but yeah we we always joke with Carlo because he is not the most coordinated person in the world no um, <laughs> he's very good at a lot of things but uh, as far as like just average like finesse skills and dexterity based games and things of that nature <laughs> athleticism which is not true. He's he has rather like anything, unless it involves coordination, though. Um, he's just not very good at it, like oftentimes. But um, we always give him a hard time with it. But I think I've always seen it. And obviously, I think he's probably going to see it less in himself than we do. But even amongst our friends, we all know that like he just kind of owns it, and he doesn't. Uh, he knows that like he's not seeking his worth in being anything else besides. Uh, Ultimately, I think the Lord, right? And I think that all of these things are good with relationships, but ultimately we should be deriving our worth. We should be um, most not ashamed to approach God. And I think true confidence in who we are comes with first a love for God. And mm. I think Carlo is confident, whether he'll admit it here or not, in uh, in the Lord's love for him and who he was created to be that like he doesn't need to try and prove something to others. This is classic guys, right? We if you even look at kids, right? Yeah, you know, you look at the way that girls talk to each other when they're young and it's all about like building bridges with one another and wanting to be inclusive, but guys, it's very much so like well, I ran they'll just make stories up, right? Well, I ran from to that light pole in 10 seconds. The other guys like, "Why well, ran it in 5 seconds?" Even though neither one of them have ran to the light pole and counted, but like they just one up each other's <laughs> stories and want yep. to be better with one another right. because we seek the worth in what we can achieve or um in the praise of others. And I think that can only be cast out that shame of like realizing, right. Cause it comes from a place of, of shame. It comes from a place of I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. That can only be cast out by the love of God, by understanding that you really aren't that great. And, but God loves you anyways. And just to, to be accepting of your limitations. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, just recognizing for me, a lot of times uh, shame was born from, I didn't feel loved. I, like I knew I was objectively, my family loved me very much so, but I was, um, especially when I was younger, I was in an immature place where I didn't, I didn't recognize it. And, uh, there was a crucial moment where I just kind of realized if God infinitely loves me, then who cares? Like I, infinity plus a hundred is still infinity. So if, if God infinitely loves you and you recognize that, then, then you don't need anyone else's, anyone else's love, anyone else's praise. And, uh, you're right. I think shame comes from knowing that you are imperfect and afraid that someone might use that against you or even just uh, uh, afraid to admit it to yourself. But um, the thing about God is he not only loves us despite our imperfection, despite our sinfulness, but he wants to bring us out of it and he can help us to bring us out of it in the only way that matters. And um, I don't know if I'll ever be coordinated. 
<laughs> I, I, I've tried. I've trained, actually. I, I remember there was a while. Um, I just got, like, bouncy balls, and I tried to, like, just practice, like, bouncing around bouncy balls <laughs> to get coordinated. Uh, it did not work. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, it's really easy to say in a podcast, and, and it's, it's a lot harder to actually remember it on a daily basis and live it out. But the only thing that matters is is just how I respond to his love, and and then there's no shame in that anything, um, even if you're the worst athlete, dumbest person, and ugliest man alive. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually had the the kind of fun thought, right? That it's actually impossible to be the worst at everything because if theoretically you are the worst at everything, then technically you are the best at being the worst. So Patrick Star. Patrick Star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, and also to kind of, I think there's been like a lot of review from other, for those of you guys who take notes on the Sinner's Take podcast, there's a lot of review from other episodes here. I think this was from the last episode where Alec brought up the, there is an Avatar the Last Airbender quote, which again is on Netflix. Everybody should watch it if you haven't. It's a phenomenal show. Uh, but he says, uh, Iroh, who is one of the, um, like the, the biggest mentor character of the show, is talking to his nephew and he says, um, what the, let me, a little bit of backstory, right? The, the guy, the kid, the, the nephew Zuko, is uh, struggling because he has lost a lot of his identity, and he says he he's struggling to use his uh, abilities, right, his firebending abilities. But he says, "I'm not ashamed. I'm as proud as ever." And then Iroh says, "Pride is not the opposite of shame, but its source." That, and, and essentially, and he goes on to say, "Humility is the only cure to that." And it's true, right? That the more pride we take in ourselves, the more pride we take in our achievements. The more we realize that they fall short of who we want to be, who we can be, who we should be, and who God created us to be. So obviously that that's all very important. But like we have to understand that humility, you know, it all comes back to humility it always, always does. right? But that we really once we understand that, then the shame goes away. And to have that confidence in the relationship with the Lord, that that He is the one who loves and He is the one that sh- if your relationship with Him is growing, the shame that you feel in your life should be diminishing. And I think that's kind of a good test. And again, it, take that all the way from your friendships to your romantic relationships to your relationship with God. You should be more, I mean, no, sorry. You should be less ashamed of the parts of your life that used to cause you shame mm. the closer you get to love. Um, it, you know, the what's that quote? Perfect love cast out fear, but... Um, perfect love would also cast out shame, which I think is a form of fear. I think we may have also talked about this before, so really... Um, we're just, I guess we're just running out of ideas here at Sinner's Take. Is there a chapter test coming or yes. something? <laughs> <laughs> this will all be on the test. Um, there is a movie called The Wedding Singer, which I watched once. And uh, there's a quote in there. I was watching it with a friend of mine. And uh, it was a really funny story. I, I think I've said this story exactly, this like exact story before. But uh, the, the quote, we were both watching the movie and the quote came and the person's, the, the movie said it. And then at, at the same time, the person I was watching it with said, oh my gosh, I love that quote simultaneously as I went because I don't <laughs> I didn't think that the quote was good um, but the wedding singer quote is uh, I to my I might be paraphrasing but essentially the character says don't love somebody for how you feel about or no not don't love I think don't be with somebody for how you feel about them do it for how they make you feel about yourself and there's a whole bunch of problems with that I think ultimately I think really what that 
quote is essentially trying to do is all like rom-com movies always have to try and find a way to like rephrase the I love you thing and the like this is what love is it's just like and it's always the same that's formula true. right it's like take us take a normal saying and then flip the words around to like so that people go like wow that's so deep um, when really if you break any of them down it doesn't really make any sense but this one included right uh, I don't think that you should be with somebody for how they make you feel about themselves I think your self-worth right, right that that shame um, that you should feel ultimately needs to be driven out by the love of God and then through your relationships. Hmm. Um, uh, well, I like to play Cupid, and yeah. I really like giving romantic advice. And for all you single people out there, here's what I got. <laughs> uh, I've said this for many, many years, and I will say it till the day I die. Um, I think those pe- people who really, really want to enter into a romantic relationship, a lot of times they, I find that they will not find it until they are confident that they're okay without it. Mm. And um, I think a lot of times we look for romance specifically where we expect intimacy and we expect to be able to be taken as we are. To be, be we expect to be, we expect to be made feel good about ourselves. Wow, that is a terrible grammar. But you get what I'm trying to say. Um, and I think I think that's the exact problem. I think once you know that God loves you, once you your shame is at least minimized more by His love then you are ready to go out and love someone else because a relationship is not about how you feel about them or how you how you feel about yourself but what do you want for them and how are you a part of that mm. do you want do you want them to have life and life to the fullest and are you part of that picture and i think that's what a romantic relationship be based on and you can only know that if you know yourself and you're okay with who you are at that sense not how they make you feel. Although they'll make you feel good and they'll make you feel better and they will accept you. That's all true and that's all good and that's part of it. But I don't think that should be the goal. I think it's just a nice nice side effect. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like... Did we just undo like everything we talked about? Like I was just thinking about the quote, like uh, "Don't love somebody for how they make you feel about themselves." But we did just kind of talk about how loving somebody should make you feel better about yourself, like to be driving out shame. But I think there's a difference between like the shame being driving out and yeah. being more confident in yourself. I, I think we're speaking of like that, like instant gratification, like makes me feel good. Yes. Um, no, know. and I caught that as you were saying the quote. Yeah, I, was I was like, because like, we both were bashing on this beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> and I caught you saying, I was like, well, this is kind of what we've been saying. Like, <laughs> when you enter a really good relationship, they that you can show your shame, and that I think maybe is at the heart of what the maybe what the movie was trying to express. Yeah. Right. But you know everything. Um, a lot of things that are wrong always have some negative truth in there. So maybe that's yeah. what it's trying to say. Even the devil can quote scripture. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, it, but um, yeah, you have to be grounded in God first, and then in others. Uh, so if you're confused, just go ahead and forget everything we said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a good piece of romantic advice from me, from somebody who's not in a relationship or married, uh, is, and I mostly I read it somewhere. I don't remember where or whatever, but. Uh, talking about the importance of this right here, right, and the surefire sign of a healthy relationship is that when vulnerabilities come up, particularly when it's been something that was done wrong, maybe even to the other person, if somebody shares like a vulnerability, a weakness, uh, something they are ashamed of, is does the person who they're sharing it with, do they use that as a weapon against them or do they realize and like try to help prop them up in it and carry them through it? Mm. Um, because you see it all the time and people maybe hearing that are like, well, obviously they would help them with it, but it isn't usually what happens, right? Like if you look really were to break down a lot of arguments that couples have, uh, it's usually somebody does something wrong and then the person 
doesn't want to let it go, right? And uh, they they may use that as a weapon, or they'll bring things up from the past, right? And they'll mm-hmm. be like, "Well, you did this, this, this in the past," but like a really good, healthy relationship, be able to say like, should have the confidence that they wouldn't hide behind uh, excuses or whatever it is, but like, "Hey, I did this, and here's the root cause of this," and then it becomes you and your significant other against the problem, mm-hmm. not me versus you because you did something wrong, but. If it comes from an authentic place of, like I said, if the person feels confident enough that like if they do share something that they did wrong, vulnerably, they won't be chastised for it, but they'll be responded to in charity and love. Uh, that's a really good place to be. Um, so I would encourage you guys all to work on that, right? When you get into disputes or whatever it might be to, one, be honest with yourself. Uh, let go of your pride. Let go of whatever it is to admit what you are doing was wrong and then the other one to be able to catch them when after they make that leap and then together okay we are going to work through that that problem right um i think is is important yeah um i like to bring up marriage just because i've only been married eight months so <laughs> it's <laughs> fresh really, has it been eight months already it's been man? About, uh, what they, yeah to the to the day eight months wow. to the day congratulations thanks <laughs> world's best world's yeah. best cup of coffee there you go <laughs> um yeah, I've noticed like since I've gotten married, it's like I've developed a second moral conscience. Like I feel bad for everything she does wrong. <laughs> I feel partially responsible for everything she does wrong. And I Unless to- she's listening, then she doesn't do anything wrong. R- right, of course. <laughs> I'm to blame, right? But um, yeah, I, I, I think sometimes, I don't know, maybe just like living with her now and having that like second conscience, I get the temptation to keep tally. Like I see like couples and, and really close friends sometimes – you kind of keep tally. And the most important thing, though, is is making it like it is my conscience. So everything she does wrong, I wanted her to stop, not because it annoys me or because it makes me feel bad, but because I care about her. And that's kind of the same twist. Um, and then and then that's actually, I find, even a good le- lesson for my own self in dealing with my own guilt with sin is um, sometimes I beat myself up over it and just think I'm a, I'm a pile of junk. And in truth, it's like, okay, yeah, that sucks, but let's figure it out. Let's let's work through it. Let's just not just wallow and, and keep tally in that sense. So, yeah. All right. Um, I have two other notes here that we haven't talked about. They're not that important, but uh, they're kind of fun. So you, if you feel like you've heard enough, you can go ahead and stop listening. But um, the I remember – I specifically remember a time when I was a senior in college and one of my good friends had a little sister who was a freshman – and uh, her and her group of friends who were super close decided that they were going to put on a talent show for each other. Just just amongst their friends. That mm. like Everybody had to perform something though. And they asked myself um, and then my friend's older sister. I mean the, the, the older sister and then her now husband who was, also, who was my roommate. Um, and so we were like the judges for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd have to comment on everything. And I remember at the very end, of the, people just did the most ridiculous things. Like some people just told funny stories. Some people sang. Some people uh, put on little like one man skits. Uh, <laughs> and it was just awesome. Like yeah. I remember being so impressed because going back to authentic and good friendship is because I think there is one thing to be emotionally intimate with somebody and to be able to be vulnerable in that way. But we lose the ability to play with each other, like to, mm-hmm. to have authentic uh, enjoyment and just childlike authentic play, right? And I think there's a lot of shame with that. Like people mm-hmm. don't like to perform in front of others. People don't like to 
uh, share what they're maybe passionate about, right? Maybe somebody likes to write poems. They don't like to talk about it. They don't like to read. They don't want, because they don't want to face the rejection of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't like to show this is something that I think is good or I want to be good and be told that it's not. Um, so I remember making a comment to them at the end of it, just being like, you guys are showing such an authentic form of friendship because you're willing to share not just like your emotional past or whatever it might be, but this part of you as well. And I think I found it to be so incredibly beautiful. So to, I encourage you all to do that too, right? To, in your friendships, share with each other things that are not so intense all the time too. And uh, to make a, a shameful plug, right? To like a lot of people, there's been a, a resurgence of, I think like the, the tabletop role-playing games, right? Like Dungeons and Dragons being the most common one. Um, there's something in it with those that I think is really awesome about friendship because to be able to have authentic play in that way where you, you know, make up funny voices and do ridiculous things and like share that part of you without any shame in it, uh, I think is also healthy for friendship. So to like, again, not saying everyone needs to go out and play Dungeons and Dragons, but to have the place and to be at the state of mind with your friends that you can make a fool of yourself and be comfortable with it. And like sharing that I think is, is good and important. Kind of reminds me of the wedding we were just at a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. There was, I mean, you can imagine wedding towards the end of quarantine and uh, the dance floor was pretty small, but I don't remember that stopping anyone. A lot of these, a lot of us, most of us have known each other for going on decades. Um, and so there was just a certain amount of, we don't care what we look like. We don't care. I was dancing and you can imagine how uncoordinated I am of what that <laughs> looks like. So, but yeah, I, I find there's, there's almost like, there's those moments where you are with a group of people and you are just utterly playful, utterly yourself. There's absolutely zero shame or concern. And it feels like an awesome, it's like, it competes with like moments of prayer. It's just one of those moments where you just can't put words to and how awesome it is. So you're special to me. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So don't be shameful. Don't Love be shameful. each other and bring each other to each other's selves. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we sound like a rom-com now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't listen to Sinner's Take for how you like it. Listen to Sinner's Take for, for how, how it makes, makes you feel about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. For all of us here at Sinner's Take, you will hear us in the next one. <laughs>